Welcome to the Executive Minds Podcast, turning good intentions into reality in your career, business, and life. Here's your host, Kevin Jennings. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Executive Minds. My name is Kevin and it's a pleasure to be with you today, wherever you are. We have a great episode for you featuring one of our co-mentors on the team, David Farmer, and a former guest who is back for another time, Mr. Billy Bowie of Elevate Experiences. Now, he is a friend of all of ours uh, here at Mentor and at the Executive Minds podcast, and he was actually a guest back on episode 44 of the podcast, and we're now bringing him back for episode 160. A lot of life, a lot of experiences, a lot of learnings have happened since then, and he is back to share with us, actually, as he has just recently released his very first book, Culture Reconstructed. So if you don't know much about Billy, I'll give you a quick rundown. He is an author, obviously. He's a speaker, he's an entrepreneur, and he runs a great company called Elevate Experiences, which helps organizations develop their culture and also boost team performance. And he does a lot of work with creating great experiences for events, whether it mean corporate events for your team, your organization, uh, maybe things you're doing in the marketplace to engage customers. But either way it goes, Billy knows a lot about what it takes to create a great experience in a great environment. And we can learn a lot from him today. Um, And so I'm setting this up today because we are doing a two-part series with Billy. So he'll be back for episode 165. And him and David actually are doing something different. Billy has his own podcast. And so he and David kind of actually interview each other at the same time. So it's actually really cool. You could hear a lot more about David and uh, what he's learning as well as they they really do a great job of engaging each other. And you're going to hear a lot about it. So I'm not going to take much more time away from him because uh, they they get pretty deep into some culture stuff today, and you're going to really enjoy it. But without further ado, here is David Farmer's interview with our good friend, Billy Bowie. Hey, everybody. It is David Farmer here, and I have Billy Bowie in the room. And I, actually, I'm in Billy's room, by the way. <laughs> At the Elevate office, man. At Welcome. At the Elevate office. And Billy is uh, not only a good friend to me and to most of the mentor team. Wait a minute. All of the mentor hopefully team. All. Hopefully I'm all. I'm thinking, you know Kevin, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, then all of the mentor team, because Billy has done some incredible work with Chick-fil-A over the last decade. But Billy's been a podcast guest on the Old Launch University podcast, and I said, Billy, you may be the first guy we're bringing back for now what is called Executive Minds Podcast, part of the Mentor uh, Network. And Billy's got his own podcast called... Created Created for Experience, yeah. And so he he actually said, hey, Dave, I want you to come do this podcast. So we started talking and said, hey, let's just do sort of a joint podcast. Well, I love it. So I know that by this point, people listening have already heard a little bit of our intro. But as you've already heard, I'm a fan of you, David, and all the work that you've done. And 29 years at Chick-fil-A is awesome. But I love the heartbeat of you and your entire team creating what was Launch University and helping people that are launching things, but now really shifting at this executive minds idea. So I thought it'd be fun for us to do a little dual action, have some conversations around culture, have some conversations about decisions we've made, and really mix it all with this idea of life experience. Because creative for experience is 
taking people's life experience and how it impacts their future. And so I think this is going to be a little uh, fun dual podcast. Let's have some fun. I love it. So uh, we're in Norcross, Georgia, home of Elevate Offices. That's right. Billy gave me an incredible office tour. In fact, I got to tell you, I came in the door to... Uh, First I, time we've done this. Okay. I mean, I got the, the full-on treatment. They were on the mic. They were there to greet me. I got uh, confetti cannon. It scared uh, you a little bit. It did. It takes you back. <laughs> but uh, You were 740, the 740th confetti cannon at the office. Billy is all about uh, remarkable experiences, and he delivered when I came in the office door to Elevate today. That's awesome. And listeners, if you're in the anywhere in the metro Atlanta area and you want to take a tour of the Elevate office, please just reach out directly. Check me out on Instagram, at Billy Bowie, and we would love to have you as a guest and scare you with a confetti cannon. One thing I will tell you, there's not a lot left to chance. It's very intentional, and intentional is one of my favorite words. So. I like it. And, and I have to say, if you're coming to the office... You set the bar really high on naming all of the fatheads on my wall. So my wall has, I believe it's 21 different fatheads and named 18 of them. I mean, you got the toughest ones. So I'm not going to name any on the podcast yeah. now, but but you've got some game. Yeah, there were a few folks I wasn't quite sure about, but that was a lot of fun too. Everything here is fun. And we're here we are, we're recording this in January 2020, which is a huge month for a couple of reasons, start of a new decade. But it's also the month that Billy is releasing his new book. I'm holding it in my hands, Culture Reconstructed. So, Billy, congratulations. Thank you. It's uh, anybody out there that's written a book or has held a book or has been a part of any sort of launch, it is labor of love. And it's been a really fun journey to take all the things that I've experienced on my journey, listen to a lot of great leaders in the process, and try to figure out how we can, on the front of this book, it says it, a start where you are guide to building a culture of impact. And so my real heartbeat, and for the listeners that are tuning in right now, is you have no choice but to start where you are. But most of us start where we've been yeah. or start where we hope to be, yeah. not start where you are. And so as I think about culture being created, we have to get really, really honest about where we currently are and know that we have the beautiful opportunity of what Walt Disney said at the Carousel of Progress is a 1964 World's Fair. I love this ride. It's my favorite ride at Disney. It's really boring, but the air conditioning is awesome. If you go to the Magic Kingdom, go check it out. And there's a song that happens as you ride. Have you ridden the ride before? Oh, yeah. So, Multiple times. Oh, yeah. So there's a great big beautiful tomorrow shining at the end of every day. And I believe that in culture, that there is a great big beautiful tomorrow but it is a choice to start where you are today. So that's why I wrote the book. Well, I'm a huge believer in the value of culture, which is why I'm really interested in this conversation. So I want to spend some time asking Billy questions about the book. He talks about 14 critical building blocks to culture, and I've got just some other questions I want to ask him about culture. And I said, Billy, you know, don't just sit there and, and take my questions. Jump right in. Ask me stuff back, you know. So this this, this is a sort of a social experiment we're doing live. I love yeah. social experiments. So I like it. And then with our podcast, with Creative for Experience, it's really examining people's experiences and how it impacts their future. And I know that you being at Chick-fil-A and working with a lot of organizations, you've seen a lot of this as well. So I feel like... You're going to tee some questions up, but you probably will have a better answer than I do to some of it. So I'm excited to hear your thoughts, too. Okay, cool. Are you ready to jump right in? Let's do it. I'm going to hit you up with a basic question first. Billy, what is culture? Culture are the things that people allow in their context. I try to boil things out to the lowest common denominator. See, I played baseball at Auburn University. Then I played for the Philadelphia Phillies and playing college and professional baseball. There was locker room culture. And it was really what the coach would allow to happen. It's not the rules you put in place. It's not the thing on the wall. It's what 
not only what the coach allows, but what the other team members allow as well. Some of my favorite moments playing baseball was when the coach would leave the players in the dugout by themselves after a tough loss to talk it out. And you Mm -hmm. would see one of the players stand up and call another player out. And you would see this collective of people actually owning what the culture of that team was. Because there's a difference between a dictatorship and an actual healthy culture, right? It's not what the leader says the culture is. It's what when the leader's not there, it actually is. And so... For me, my passion is figuring out what are you allowing in your culture that's giving uh, verbal and physical cues to other people that's allowing them to build that without you there. Yes, great word. So um, follow-up would be, why does culture matter? The biggest reason culture matters to me is if you're going to produce a bottom line where you have a revenue statement that has your profit and that's your how much money you make versus your expenses – That's all cool. We all know businesses that have done that. But at the end of the day, that is going to burn out really, really quickly. So I have an eternal perspective on life. I believe there's a much bigger picture. There's a much bigger thing that's happening. And for me, I'm going to be responsible for all the lives that I impact positively and negatively. And so for me, it's so very important that if you put the culture in place, it's not only going to create the great ROI, but you're going to produce better people. Like, I want to build a culture that I want to work for. Yeah. I want to have confetti cannons and music and connection and fun. And I believe high fives are better than handshakes. That's what I create in my culture. I believe that hugging somebody is an authentic opportunity for you to really connect. Now, I know there's HR policies. I know there's, like, things you have to do in the workplace. But for me, it's so very important to really call out what it is because every place has a culture, whether you call it that or not. The local plumbers have a culture within their plumbing group. Yeah. People that work on auto mechanics or at Chick-fil-A or at Away Luggage. We talked about them a bit earlier, how yeah. they have a great product, but their culture is falling apart. There's other big brands out there that don't make culture the focus, but culture becomes the focus when everything crashes. My assertion is from the very beginning, from idea, the very next thing after idea is not how can I produce it and make money with it. It goes idea to how to become an entrepreneur and then become an operator and become that operator that really builds culture because that's going to take your idea to the next level. We've all known people that have really good ideas, but their culture stinks and they're out of business quickly. So that's why it's important. I want people to see the culture isn't fluffy. So when right? the, when the when the culture is weak or in a worst case scenario, even toxic, mm. what happens? So we all know that when things are toxic within a family – or they're toxic within a business, there's several things that happen. Like I actually wrote them, I'm gonna read them directly from the book. Do it. Um, meetings are not focused and they lack energy. Yep. We all, we all know that there's meetings that when it's toxic is people are kind of laying back on their chairs, there's not a lot of energy in the room, the ideas aren't flourishing. We all know that people are more focused on their own needs, not the needs of the team. They're focused on how can I get mine? How can I move up the corporate ladder? New ideas aren't welcome, creativity is stifled, and revenue just plateaus. That is what happens in a toxic culture. We can't can't avoid it. Now, there can be a lot of money being made in a really toxic culture. We've seen that too. But I think sustaining brands, and David, you said it earlier, is you want to live for this idea of legacy. Creating legacy is creating culture. It's more about what the leader isn't there, what is being created. So Toxicity in culture starts with what I call the microbursts of culture. I talk about this in the book, book a little bit. It's not about the big meeting or the team retreat or the big gathering, the summit of all your staff. 
it's what happens at the quote unquote water cooler. Yeah. And the water cooler is different for every single business. But what happens in those kind of moments? Is there sort of the, the elbow and the sideways glance and the rolling of the eyes? That's where it begins. So as a leader, I challenge everyone. I challenge myself to look at my people in the room and saying, how fueled are they in this meeting? Is there something that's going on outside of the work that's not my responsibility, but it is in some ways. If I want to get the best work out of people, I want to know my team member's spouse's name. I want to know what their kids' names are. I want to understand what they've gone through. Has a relative passed away? Do I, do I know what's going on in them? And it could be that that very thing that you think is fluffy could be the thing that sets their heart on fire. Because I know for me, when someone knows my kids' names, like I'm connected with them for life. So I think culture isn't that hard if you're just really intentional about it. Yeah, and I would tell listeners, uh, Billy, I think I got to know you about 10 years ago when you started doing uh, some events for Mm Chick-fil-A. And so I have had the opportunity and the privilege to see you do your thing with your team over this last decade and can attest, I I absolutely believe uh, you've got huge expertise when it comes to culture because I have seen you come in and transform an event or transform a room and take the energy up and get people connected, get people interacting with one another. Uh, you just have an, a, just an unbelievable gift for that. Well, it's fun. And I'm, I'm grateful that that's been a part of my story. I, I love this phrase, and I, I don't want to take credit for it because I know a lot of really smart people have said it, but people grow into the conversations you create around them. I've yeah. heard that quote from many different places. And the conversation you create around people, sometimes it happens at events. I've um, created my business around creating event experiences for people. But events aren't when the microphone's turned on and the loud music happens. It happens when people are walking out or during the breaks. And so I love that you said that. And I, and I think the reason our business is thriving and the reason we're growing is that we use this phrase a lot that who you are off the microphone is more important than who you are on it's very easy to make leadership about the microphone that you have. I think it's more important about putting that mic in your back pocket and then how you treat people. And so all the brands that we work with, Chick-fil-A being one of them, is we sit with them and figure out, what do you want people to say when they leave? Yeah. When they crank their car up and they drive off. So what have, what have you seen in culture? Like, if you were to define what that means for you, you've been a part of a great one for a long time. And yeah. I'm sure you've seen some ups and downs and goods and bads. But how would you how would you define culture? Well, I loved your definition. And I think mine is similar, a little different wording. It's not all the stuff that you say it is. It is the behaviors that you see day in and day out. So sometimes I just simply say it's the sum of your actual habits. Mm, that's good. Uh, what are you actually doing day in and day out? And as you talked about when the coach leaves the locker room and it's just the team. So hence, what are the things that are happening when you're not uh, officially owned? Mm-hmm. And nobody's even watching necessarily. That's culture. Yeah. Because it's been modeled. It's been you've, you've marinated in it, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And I, don't, I, th- I think it has to be a good culture has to be real. It. You do talk about it probably, but it's. I think you observe it, and it's sort of caught. Mm-hmm. More is caught than taught. I've learned that in parenting. I'm sure Absolutely. you as well. As my kids can hear me say, respond this way, say please and thank you, yes sir, no sir, but if they don't see me do that. That's right. It doesn't mean anything. I'm, do, I'm watching my son now at eight start to pick up on things that I do that aren't great. I'm like, oh my goodness. 
I need to continue to up my game on the way I communicate to them, communicate to my wife, communicate to others. So yeah, how do you honor your wife Jennifer? I mean, do you do you do the things that show respect for her? That's what's going. And my girls are watching. That's, that's right. Am I going to have somebody treat me the way that my dad treats my mom? I mean, that's when it gets really real. I think we can look at that in culture as well. Is um, how we do treat folks on their very first day. How do we treat them on their last day? Yeah. For me, I ask the question, what does honor mean for you? Mm-hmm. That's a question I ask a lot in culture. And for the listeners that are tuning in, one of the great things you can do as a manager, if you're an entrepreneur who's um, out of business and you want to affect change, if you're a middle-level manager, if you're a senior VP, if you're someone who might not be the president or the CEO or the entrepreneur, you're a person of influence in your own context. And the greatest question I think you can ask when it comes to culture is what does honor mean for you? Mm-hmm. Because that, that word honor elicits this, huh? It's celebrated, it could be money, it could be time, it could be respect, it could be public affirmations. I think we can get to that question. Um, this might be a little bit controversial, um, but I don't know if holding a door for a female is always honoring. Yeah, It's been interesting recently as, as our culture changes. For me, it's chivalry is not always what I thought it is as we, as we move into 2020. What does honor mean for someone? It could mean that they hold the door for me. You know, and I've had a lot of um, ladies hold the door for me. It's so cool to say, thank you for letting me do that. I'm like, wow, I, I was always taught to do that. And it's so interesting. I'm, I'm relearning some things in my career by asking that question, what does honor mean for you? Now, I'm challenging my son to open the door for ladies and all those sorts of things. But I think getting to that question has helped me more in culture than most anything else. It's interesting. We, uh, I'll share a little bit of an insight that uh, we're living at right now at Chick-fil-A. We, we've obviously heard a lot about emotional intelligence, EQ, Mm -hmm. Um, we're starting to get into what we're calling cultural intelligence. Ooh, tell me more. It's, I would define that perhaps as emotional intelligence in context. Mm. So a, a good example would be, how do you read a situation that may be very unique, something you really haven't prepared for? and respond in an appropriate way. And an example, I'll give you a Chick-fil-A example. Someone who is hearing impaired walks into a restaurant, and you kind of pick up on the fact that they're trying to order. We actually did a little commercial on our red couch. We call this uh, creative called Little Mm -hmm. Things, where one of our team members in a restaurant recognized that there was a customer that walked in and was going to write out their order. And they figured out, oh, they're, they're just hearing impaired, and this team member knew a little bit about signing. And so not great at signing, but tried to connect with that customer. That's cultural intelligence. Mm-hmm. And and sometimes there are difficult situations. Like what happens if someone who is homeless walks into the restaurant? Mm-hmm. How do you handle that? And so we're tr- it's 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 even more nuanced. It's a skill that we're trying to teach all of our people in the front line. So to your point, we can really try to connect with our customers and and speak to them in a way that that matters to them. To your point that maybe holding the door for the lady is not always the right answer, you know? It, mm-hmm. it's That's a little formulaic, and we're trying to get beyond just... Well, cut and dry as it used to yeah, be. Yeah, it's not just a script. Mm-hmm. It's learning to to read a situation and figure out a way. It's it's a lot of empathy, but how do you how do you handle that situ- situation in a way that is likely to show a lot of honor and respect for the person on the other side? Yeah, C.S. Lewis said it really, really well. He said people need to be more reminded than instructed. Yeah. And so just reminding people my goal is honor. I mean, I've been in some um, pretty sticky situations as a brand ambassador for various brands that are a little bit controversial. I won't say the name of the brand, 
but I was representing them in this context and there was actually a protest that was going on. And I had the person leading the protest come up and start yelling at me. Yeah. I put the microphone in my back pocket and I said, gosh, I, I hear what you're saying. I'm so sorry that you feel that way. Tell me more. And it would, to watch the guard fall down and got to really listen and hear their question and thought and got to really diffuse that and, and the, the protest thing that was going, going on went away. Yeah. It's so interesting when we can lead with honor that everybody wants to be reminded that I'm worth listening to. Yeah. Right? And, and what we all we all want to be cared for. We all want to be listened to. Uh, it's in our culture of speed, our culture of hurry, our culture of hustle. I'm a huge Gary Vaynerchuk fan, so yeah. I love the hustle, hustle, <laughs> hustle. But it's been really interesting over the last six to eight months. Gary's been talking a lot about he gets pegged as the hustle guy, but he's really the patience guy. Mm. So it's been fun to watch him push against those two narratives. And I think in our culture, we need to figure out what are we preaching that we probably need to pull back and, and talk about a little bit something different at times. So um, I, I know that the phrase I mentioned again, but people grow into the conversations you create around them. What kind of conversation? If this cultural intelligence idea at Chick-fil-A, it's fun to know that that's becoming a conversation and not here's the 10 ways to honor someone. It's no, just yeah. what skills and talents can you can you give people they don't currently have? Yeah. I mean, we became fairly well-known. We um, stole an expression from the Ritz-Carlton hotel chain, my pleasure. Uh-huh. When someone says, thank you, we say my pleasure. But if we're going to go beyond that, um, that may not always be the best way to respond. And, you know, you and I have something in common. We both grew up in Atlanta, and we were probably both taught to say, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir. Mm -hmm. But we're finding that, yes, ma'am, may not play as well in New York City or Toronto, Canada, as it does in Atlanta, Georgia. So how do you find a way to show respect, but maybe you have to change the actual uh, verbiage you use to do so? Mm -hmm. And and asking those common questions and getting out of the basics of what does honor mean for you? I was um, out in Hawaii for the uh, Army-Navy game in Pearl Harbor. It was so much fun. The Chick-fil-A did an amazing job of bringing the mobile kitchen out to Hawaii, got to feed a bunch of the troops. It was really fun. And some of the Chick-fil-A team members were there actually uh, doing focus groups in the city, just learning what, and it was really fun. One of the team members there was telling me some of the questions is what does honor mean? Cause it's been announced that Chick-fil-A is going to Hawaii, just yeah. don't know when or where. And I love that on the front of that is asking what would honor mean that Polynesian sauce in Hawaii might not play as well for yes. various reasons, you know? So just learning that I'm coming in and we're the brand and this is how it's going to be done. It's like, no, what would honor mean in this scenario? Not that you're changing your foundation. It's just learning how you can navigate the complexities of your business as you scale. So I, I think brands need to be more thoughtful about the yes, ma'am, no, ma'am questions and say, is that honor? Maybe it is, maybe it's not. Side note, that was such a fun game to watch. How about a Navy quarterback that can rush for over 300 yards? Amazing. How about that? Amazing it was, it was game. Awesome. All right, so I got another question for you on culture. In an organization, who owns culture? I think the old adage is correct that it starts from the top down. I think that's very important. But I teach a lot about the trickle-up culture. Yeah, say more about that. Yeah, so building into your team that culture is important is great to say at your team meetings. But empowering them with just part of being a champion of that one particular thing is important. And so something that we do, we have one person that owns care, and it's not me. So we have a team member at Elevate that's just thinking about what does care mean for our team? That's obviously knowing birthdays, knowing anniversaries, knowing their work anniversaries, knowing that. And they're responsible for caring for our team. We have another team member that's a champion for the way we care for our equipment. So if you give it a tour at Elevate, you'll see all our things are lined up nicely. It's put in one spot. A part of our culture is what our 
warehouse looks like. It looks good. I took the tour. And if it's if it's trashy in there, you might be asking it's yourself. Not. <laughs> you know, you might be asking yourself like, "Wow, okay, they do that." And I think one of the biggest sales tools for us has not been our flashy brochures or nice website. It's people actually coming to our office, meeting our people, and seeing our warehouse. Yeah. I don't know how much money has been created from that, but it's been a lot. And it's really funny. Side note is I got to be uh, on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. I got to freestyle rap with The Roots. I don't know if you saw that. But there was this moment where I was on the show. Jimmy came up to the uh, groups in the audience, and he happened to come to me. My wife was pointing to me. I stood up. They were doing a freestyle rap about me, and I told Tariq from The Roots, hey, I'm actually a freestyle rapper, and they let me rap on the show. Wow. I've never been more nervous in my life. It was a very mediocre rap. If you go to uh, Facebook.com and search Bruce Willis, You'll see that rap, and it's, I was so embarrassed because it wasn't a great one, but I did Okay, it. we got to put that on the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> and it, was, it, was so, it was so much fun because I calculated it. We made $318,000 of revenue from that one moment because I, my phone blew up with clients and former clients saying, if you have the cojones to freestyle rap on The Tonight Show on the spot like that, I want you to come work with our brand and help us with our culture and help us with empowering our team. So it was, it's really fun. It's those inadvertent times and in culture you wouldn't expect that actually make it happen. And so and back to your question, it's those inadvertent people that aren't necessarily your managers or department leads that can lead that part of the culture. But as soon as you cut them off or people start throwing their weight around because they're the boss, your culture is done. And so I'm looking for how are my department leads or managers, how are they treating their people? Because as soon as you cut somebody off and you see somebody cross their arms and sit back in their chair, they're done. They might yeah. execute their job, but they're not a part of the culture. And so I try to give people different pathways and different things they can look for in their team to make sure it's not just the leader saying his culture is important. It's empowering the whole team to actually own it. Yeah, and I feel really fortunate that I work for an organization where the owners, the Kathy family, and the top leaders, they absolutely model the values of the organization. They roll their sleeves up. They do all the dirty work. You know, we've had Dan on the Dan Kathy on the podcast, and I think he picks up more trash than any person I've ever yeah, met totally does. <laughs> on planet Earth. Agree with that. Uh, but he's just awesome in that respect. So I definitely agree with you that uh, the leader has to sort of set the tone. But I want to speak to the person that may not be the leader out there and say, you got a part to play too. Mm-hmm. And I would actually love for you to share a little bit from your new book some of the principles from Culture Reconstructed that you think might. <coughs> resonate with our listeners out there who, even if they're not the leader, they got a part to play in creating and maintaining a healthy culture. And I'm flipping through the book right now thinking about why I wrote it. It's a book that I wish I had 10 years ago when I really started Elevate. It's really eight years, but 10 years when I really decided I was going to build something. For me, the top one I think about is the way to grow culture is going to be in the most simple graphic I can draw it out things. Um, I love playing hangman as a kid. Mm -hmm. I love just drawing that and having the letters there. I love Wheel of Fortune. I love very simple games. You get into Jeopardy, I get confused. I like bringing things back in a very, very simple way. So I've got this graph that's actually on page 127. It's start doing, do more often, keep doing. And so having that, what should we start doing as a culture? What can we do more often? What should we keep doing? If you're a team member who's not necessarily in charge, introducing to your boss a change in culture, it better help them make more money and it better help them look better on their performance. Let's just keep it real and be honest. Culture gets really, really fluffy if it's not about helping people win financially. 
that is the initial game. It just is. Yep. As much as I'd love to say it's about heartbeat and about passion, it's just not in the outset. Yep. Now, people can start seeing, wow, this is going to help us make more money, reduce turnover. Our team members actually like being here. The spouses are actually... When they have to stay an extra 30 minutes, you don't get grief from the spouse. They actually want to be a part of it. When you're pushing a new initiative, they're the first one to post on social media. They're the first one to tell their friends about it. And so this this example is something that a quote-unquote lower-level team member or someone who's not a manager can bring and saying, hey, I want to figure out some things we can start doing, do more often, or keep doing that's going to help us make more money and grow our culture. And then if, if you as a person who's not necessarily in charge can bring uh, something like on, on another page in here. I was just uh, flipping through thinking about another really easy grid. This fund matrix is something I talk a lot about as well. This is on page 92 is it's investment versus structure. And so people talk about fun and they throw it out as just something that's uh, extra. For me, I think about You've got to think about how much money you're spending and how much structure you're putting into it. And so it could be anything from a team picnic to watching a movie and debriefing it to a retreat to an escape room. These various things, I put this in here because you can circle one and suggest them to your boss. It's not a way just to have fun, but again, pushing towards results and pushing to a better bottom line. And then I think like really, really candid, there's only so much you can do if the boss just is a jerk. Mm. So speaking of the bosses out there, are you a jerk? <laughs> Do you need somebody to help you remind you that like life is bigger than just the bottom line? If there's somebody that's brought something to you and you gave the answer, oh, we've tried that before, or uh, that won't work, ask yourself fresh, particularly this being a brand new start of the year, could there be a way for us all to level up our culture by maybe asking the same question we asked last year? But I, th- I don't think that content makes the world go round. I don't think this book is going to change any lives by the content. I don't think content is king. I think context is. I think having the right kind of leader that's able to ask the right question at the right moment to elicit that response and to get people bought in is everything. Um, and so if you're a boss or a manager that gives the answer, we've done that before, or we've tried culture initiatives and they didn't work, I would just say, do you like Michael Jackson? Put that mirror in front of you and start with that man or woman in the mirror and ask yourself, like, how could I re-engage my team with this question? If you're someone who's not a leader, keep asking the questions. Keep trickling up. Keep embodying that leadership. Keep showing up early. Keep asking those good questions because the right leader is going to see that and you're going to get promoted. Or the right leader is going to see it and you're going to be out of there, but there's a lot of good companies that are growing it. Just pick one that's read this book and we'll hopefully go from there. Yeah, and I want to build on what you said because financial um, results matter. We sometimes say uh, no margin, no mission. Mm, gotta, I like that. Gotta make some money, right? If, if, if we want to make this a right now, right yeah, now. sustainable enterprise, no margin, no mission. However, we know, particularly for young leaders, uh, just the financial results alone, that's not turning their crank. Yeah, right. the next generation, that is not that is not it. No, there's got to be more purpose, uh-huh. uh, more meaning than just shareholder value, right, mm-hmm. or profit, whatever the case may be. It, they'll give up some income in many cases to work for an organization where they feel like there's, there's purpose and meaning that resonates uh, with some of their own values. So one of the things I think you and your organization do such a good job of is you, you create engagement. 
And I think that's a big part of culture, right? So instead of, uh, so I want to speak to the person out there that may not be the leader, but what can you do to up the engagement level uh, within your team, within your organization? Uh, I heard Matthew Kelly, who writes a lot about mm-hmm. building great teams, say the worst case scenario is people quit and stay. Woo! So they they've that's checked good. out. They're not engaged. They're getting a paycheck and they're semi-doing their job. That's right. They're sucking up oxygen. They're taking a seat Mm -hmm. in the room. I kind of call them sometimes the barnacle on the bow because all they're really doing is creating drag. They're stuck to the boat, but they are not moving you forward. They're slowing you down a bit. So they have quit and stayed. And so I think uh, really good cultures, it just cranks the engagement level up Mm -hmm. in a healthy way. And you know what I've done and I've – with my team at the beginning of this year, and I'm committed to sit every team member down and look them right in the face and ask them one simple question. What do you want this year? Yeah. And go through the painful, hey, tell me more. Oh, no, I just want to have a good you know, have a good year. No, no. Cut through the crap. What do you want this year? I want to make more money. Yep. Okay, let's talk about it. How can we get you there? And then you see a collective, a deep breath. And the people that... Um, might sit back on their chair or the crossed arms or the checked out might check back in with just a leader that says, you don't work for me. I work for you. I think that people that build the best cultures get that. They say that, like, you don't work for me, although I pay you a paycheck, is I work for you. How could I eliminate roadblocks? How could we push through ambiguity? I've got a T-shirt that I sell called Punch Ambiguity in the Face. Mm. And we talk a lot about, like, hey, get your ambiguity fist up because, like, there's some ambiguity here, and let's fight through this thing together. It's between us. It's that sort of thing. So I think there's a way to rescue people that have quit that just continue to stay. But I think it's going to take the right leader to just get really honest and look at them and say, hey, what, what do you want? And then be able to really listen to them and make that. I know David Salyers, who we both love a lot. Yes. I remember hearing him talk about how he'd take a notebook and just ask questions like, hey, what do you want to accomplish? And he told me about he would keep notebooks of that and do his very best to ask questions and follow up around that. So whatever system you create, what questions you ask, if you can make it more about your employees and your team than about yourself, you will make more money. You just will because they're going to be more engaged. And I don't know if there's a secret sauce to engagement, but I'm pretty sure it's not a dictatorship. I'm pretty sure it's not saying, hey, here's what you're going to do. It's, I mentioned a little earlier, we had a team member named Abby who yep. helps record this podcast. I had this conversation with her today, and she told me something really honest. And I got to be honest, <laughs> for a second, I was like, oh, that really hurts. Yeah, it was personal feedback. It was awesome, though. It's exactly what I needed to hear. And so you got to have a bit of thick skin, and you got to sort of step up to the plate saying, um, it's Chris Carneal, who you know well. Yeah. He says feedback, feedback is the breakfast of champions. I remember back in the day when I, when I worked there, we would talk about that a lot is, hey, just being honest enough with each other to say, Wheaties is not the breakfast of champions. Feedback is. So let's get those reps of getting that good feedback so we can be honest enough with each other so we can make some change. Okay, that was an amazing interview, and I actually took notes myself. So I actually am looking at my three pages of notes uh, right here in front of me. So I'm actually going to go back through it and I'll kind of pull up some of the things that jumped out at me as I listened. One of the things I really enjoyed was how simply both Billy and David defined culture. I think for many uh, emerging leaders, emerging executives in any organization, you understand culture, you experience culture, but it really is hard to put a word or phrase on it. And I love how Billy described it as what people allow in their context, what team members, what leaders allow to take place, especially when the leader's not around. This is is something bigger than rules. It's what we allow. 
in our organization, in our team. And then what David described, I love it. He just said, hey, this is really the sum of your habits. And I think that's a fantastic way to look at it because we might be evaluating our habits, but culture is the collective habits. What do we as a team habitually do? That's a big one. And I also thought about uh, what Billy talked about when he said that culture matters because it helps produce ROI, but more importantly, helps produce better people. Man, I think for me, that just was an incredible reminder to continue to fight for culture even when you feel there's something more pressing, right? Because I got into business in this way because I wanted to make a difference. I saw the marketplace as a way to sustainably help people. And um, and that to me was a big part of it because I, I wanted to say, hey, if I create a great product or a great service or I support and market a great product or a great service, I can get that in the hands of more people. As David said uh, later in the podcast, no margin, no mission, right? And he talked about that whole idea of the, the sustainable enterprise. And I thought that was a really, uh, a really powerful idea. I mean, there's so many more, uh, this idea of trickle up culture, uh, that Billy hit on as well. Um, so a lot of powerful ideas. I hope you'll, uh, go back through it, listen to it a second time if you need to, but also we do something here called show notes. It's not the, we didn't invent them, but we try to make them as best as we can. We try to give you show summaries with big ideas that came out of the podcast. So if you're driving, if you are working out, doing yard work, those are always my favorite examples for some reason. But no matter what you're doing, doing dishes like I do when I listen to podcasts, then you know that you can't stop and take the notes. So we did that for you. And so if you just go to executiveminds.co, it takes you straight to our podcast page and you can actually get access to a summary of today's episode between David and Billy. And also, we'd love for you to subscribe to the podcast, uh, Apple Podcasts. You can follow us on Spotify, subscribe on Google Play. Wherever you like to enjoy your podcast, we are trying to meet you where you are. And then leave us a rating and a review. Your feedback is really critical. Here we say feedback is your friend. And I think it's really important uh, for us to, first of all, hear from you, but also please let us get the word, help us get the word out. Your opinion about our podcast matters so much more than our opinion of the podcast. And we recognize that and we are excited that you are part of this community and we want to see this grow. And please help us do that by sharing the word online. All right. Lastly, join us next time back here for part two with Billy Bowie on the Executive Minds podcast. Executive Minds.